to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And it has been a while since we have been here doing this, but we are glad to be back, and we are back this week to do another Pixar Shorts episode. We're going to talk about a few Pixar Shorts. We've done done this twice before. We'll put links to those previous episodes in the show notes. What Pixar short are we starting with, Jan? We are starting with the 2006 One Man Band. It is written and directed by Andrew Jimenez and Mark Andrews. And when it premiered, it came out alongside the movie Cars. All right, so what's One Man Band about? A one-man band in an empty town square plot. I mean, it's like a pseudo-Renaissance era. Uh, Yeah, I guess. And he plays for no one. And then a little girl with a coin comes out, and he plays to try to get her to give him the coin. And then another one-man band playing string instruments instead of brass instruments comes out. And the two of them battle. And in the course of their battle, they scare the little girl who drops her coin. And then she angrily demands a violin as payment for dropping her coin and plays amazingly and earns money that neither of them did. But instead of paying them their coins, she throws it into the well, which she was planning to do originally. Into the fountain. Into the fountain. Yes. Yes, indeed. I think that uh, watching it now, the it's definitely kind of a continuation of the... What was the one band band? The tin toy. Yeah. It's like, we did this cute little tin toy who was like a one man band. Here's like the most amazing one band bands we can do now with our animation style and stuff. And so for 2006, it's, it's really good. I think it was well animated. I mean, I definitely think visually it's a good looking short still. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think Pixar gets better and better at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were pretty good at pretty early is their style and design rather than just the technology so like Mm. the technology of animation has gotten a lot better since then but the style of the design is good enough that who cares yeah really exactly exactly it's funny yeah it's just a really well done little short i think i think so too the i mean the nature of comedy comes from surprise and there are three reversals Mm -hmm. uh which we've seen before in pixar shorts the reversal and then the secondary reversal and here there's three mm-hmm. so she when the second band appears that's a reversal and then when she drops her coin that's a reversal and then when she doesn't give them the money that's a reversal again yeah although the, that last one is not very surprising actually well when she plays the oh, yeah, violin when she plays the violin and is great at it yeah that's surprising yeah i think i was thinking about this short this time and thinking that like it is about competing for an audience Hmm. like it's made by a film company that competes for its audience and it's about how competing for an audience makes the art worse but like the audience represented by the little girl they have the money the audience is limited there aren't unlimited amounts of people to and money to give to entertainment and at first, competing for the audience's attention makes them both better. 
but continuing to compete, then they focus on each other and outdoing each other instead of actually doing anything good. And that harms both the quality of their performance and the audience and they lose their money. Yes, that's a good point. That oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm also thinking that like they're they're the same in that they're both one man bands, but they're also quite different from each other in both style and execution of their instruments and everything. And so you have these side-by-side movies that keep coming out, especially mm-hmm. between Pixar and DreamWorks for a while there. And so maybe that's this is just like an interesting little dig at that. Maybe. I don't know if it Yeah, like the I mean, timeline I think... works out, but it does uh show like two different things that are all that are doing the same thing but differently and is one better? Yeah, I don't know. And then which if, which of the which of the one man bands do you like better? I think the movie encourages us to like the brass band better. He's the first one, he's the mm. one that we sympathize with first. Yep. And the second one kind of undercuts him. Yeah. In terms of the quality, I think it's impossible to compare. They both yeah. play well. But in terms of the sympathy, the the short is constructed to make us sympathize with the guy with the drum, mm-hmm. not the guy with the violins. Yeah, I think so. He earned that money in the first place. So, <laughs> again, if we're going to do the like allegorical fable, the guy with the drums is Pixar and the mm. guy with the violin is DreamWorks. And maybe they do good stuff, but they're just trying to steal away... <laughs> the audience that Pixar earned and it makes them both worse it makes them both do more amazing things maybe but worse and maybe Pixar should I mean maybe DreamWorks should go off and do their own thing in their own plaza <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the audience should just write their own movies which will be great and make more money anyway <laughs> Very possible. I think the the I think the moral of this story is that cuteness trumps everything. I think it does. Is that she's good, but she's also like adorable, so that's why she gets a giant pile of money. So is one man band good? Is it seriously good? I'd say it's both. Yep. I don't have any serious concerns with it really. I mean no. Yeah, I don't really have any don't I don't think there's any serious concerns. So I'll call it good and seriously good. Absolutely. What's next? Moving on to Lifted. Uh, Lifted is also 2006. It was directed by Gary Rydstrom, and the story was by Jeff Pidgeon and Max Brace. It was included in the DVD release of Ratatouille. Okay. And then, I mean, the design of The Sleeping Man... Yeah, it's very Ratatouille. Looks like Linguini from Ratatouille. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to describe what happens in it? In Lifted, a sleeping man is lifted into the (laughs) air by an alien ray. And then we zoom out to see the alien spaceship where the ray is being controlled by an apparently adolescent taking a equivalent of a driver's test who fails again and again at taking the man out the window and the man smashes all around the house and then finally his supervisor pushes him aside and sets everything up well. And then the adolescent alien is sad and the supervisor gives him the controls of the ship and then he crashes the ship around the bed. 
And then over the credits, we hear the sound of the man getting up and falling <laughs> into the crater. Into the crater created <laughs> by the spaceship. Yep. So what is going, what do we have to say about Lifted? I'm going to say, I'm going to start right off and say, I think Lifted may be the funniest Pixar short <laughs> of all. Like, it, re- it makes me there. laugh. It is all slapstick. Yeah. Or 99% of the humor in Lifted is slapstick, but it's slapstick that works so well. Yeah. And it's the juxtaposition of the, like, atmosphere of slam yep (laughs) and they managed to pull that juxtaposition off several times plus the relatability of trying to perform with your supervisor looking over your shoulder it's interesting that you say it's like a teenager taking a driver's test i felt like it's like a I'm good at this. I'm okay at this when I'm doing it by myself, but when my supervisor is like taking notes, I'm not so good at it. Well, that's the experience of a driver's test. <laughs> yeah, isn't I it? guess so. Like, you don't go to take your driver's test unless you feel like you can drive. That's true. That's true. I did fine on my driver's test, uh, incidentally. <laughs> well, I failed mine three times, so I guess I'm the small alien in this situation. I love the big aliens, like, complete stone face, and mm-hmm. the many times they use, like, the small alien looking up, trying to gauge his reaction, and especially because it's animation, it's literally just the shot doesn't change. Yeah, absolutely. So no detail about it changes. And it really works for me as humor. There's a few, like, little things that I appreciate in the animation and the execution of this. One is that when the smaller alien pushes into the bigger alien's stomach, it the dent stays there. Yeah. So they're like, you know, they're blobs and they are not... Uh... Solid. Yeah, they're not solid. They're like jello. So that was a little detail that I really loved. I also loved the detail of him... He goes into the the person goes through the tree and there's like debris and stuff that falls like it just every little detail is there. Yes. As I like this is maybe not that small a detail but the two aliens have the same hat, the same size hat and it really emphasizes mm-hmm, the difference yeah. between them that on the big alien it looks like a tiny little beanie and on the little alien it looks like an oversized miner's helmet yeah and it's the same size it just emphasizes their respective power and position very well with one little piece of costuming yeah absolutely so is lifted good is it seriously good well it's very male i was thinking the same but also Yeah, the aliens are coded male. It just is the way it is. Their voices are not... They never speak actual human words, but their voices are male and the person in the bed is male. And so there's a little bit of that, that like default, even in aliens, is male. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a little bit of like rural versus urban is like, where do you abduct? Where does an alien abduction happen? In a rural setting. Yep. Alien abductions don't happen in a city we setting. start with a squeaky windmill. Yeah, and like... it's, it's just, just laying heavily on those stereotypes, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like you, It's a short, and so you have to rely on those kinds of things. And I would but say, it's a stereotype. I would say they're relying on tropes that they then subvert. Yeah. But I don't disagree that like they 
stereotype, the trope of rural alien abductions, I mean, that is a trope rooted in prejudice. Yeah. It just is. Exactly. Yep. But in the end, I do think it's both good and seriously good. Like, there's not a lot to... Yeah. I would, I would definitely and easily call it good. Yeah. The maleness of it, like, is there any reason why the abductee has to be a white man? Yeah. No. Except that he's a generic person. And yeah. it's very much the built-in assumption that a blank slate generic person is a white man in this. And that it rubbed me a bit the wrong way, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And I totally agree. The two aliens on the ship. Like, how do we know we could spend a long time uh, digging into the details? How do you know they're coded male? But they just are. Yeah. And we could figure that out Mm -hmm. but they are there's also uh, less to do with good and seriously good the seeds of future pixar movies yes is really cool to see in this like the control panel is reminiscent of inside out and so you can see the seeds of like that kind of thing echoed much much later in pixar's history in inside out if we talk about this being contemporary with One Man Band, I think this is a better Yes, short. agreed, agreed. It looks, like we said, One Man Band looks good because it's well designed. This is even more that same idea. Yeah. Like, it does not matter one bit the technology to design those aliens. Their visual style is so strong. And it stood out to me way less that there is any technological... Uh, clunkiness in this movie. It looks no, great. Not at all. It yeah. looks really good. It looks really good. The cartooniness of the aliens helps. That always yep. helps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anything else to say about this one? I don't think so. Okay, so... Let's move on. What's next? What's next is Presto. Presto is 2008... And it is directed by Doug Sweetland, written by, also written by Doug Sweetland, with a story by Ted Mathet, Valerie Lapointe, and Justin Wright. Uh, this one came out alongside Wally, which I do remember seeing in theaters. As we talked about when we talked about Wally, we yeah. saw this by ourselves in an empty theater on Canada Day <laughs> while I was pregnant with our first child. Yep, never forget it. Literally the only people in the movie theater. Yep. It was great. We should go to more movies where we're the only people in the theater. <laughs> Nowadays, it's called Our Living Room. <laughs> All right, so Presto, do you want to tell us what the plot of Presto is, Paul? There is a magician and there is a rabbit. And the magician has a magic hat that he can pull a rabbit out of. The rabbit is hungry for a carrot. And the magician uh, has timed things poorly and goes on stage immediately after eating his di- lunch or dinner but without feeding the rabbit and so the rabbit takes his revenge with increasingly escalating mayhem and violence against the magician but then it all ends happily and the magician gives the rabbit the carrot and there's a bow and everybody loves it <laughs> pretty much that's um, pretty much what happens yeah uh you said the last one is the funniest one. I think this one tops my... Uh, I don't know. We'll have to watch all of them. But this one is high up there. This for is hilarity. very funny. Agreed. Once more, lots of slapstick humor. Yeah. I mean, it's all just slapstick humor. But somehow... Like, I'm not the biggest like slapstick person. But these the last two we've watched... 
just hit the nail on the head of slapstick. This is like, it's funny that this is, of all the Pixar shorts we've watched, I don't, I would have to look at the timeline and maybe you know, is this after Disney really acquired Pixar? Because this started out with Disney Presents, a Pixar animated short. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know the exact timeline, but this is the first one we've seen with the Disney header. Funny that it is the first one with a real Disney header because it feels like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah. Like this could be Bugs Bunny. Absolutely. Basically, you could just put Bugs Bunny as the rabbit. He would wisecrack instead of be silent. But mm. like the the feel of this is very... Very Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. Mayhem, chaos, things getting out of con- comically out of control. And if the slapstick and lifted was like part of the humor of that we didn't talk about, but is heap smashing against the wall and is totally fine, then that's funny. Mm. This is even more so. Like he he is electrocuted and breaks his hand on a mousetrap, and he gets smashed in the face with a ladder, and it, and it all doesn't hurt him in a very Looney Tunes way. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what makes the slapstick funny. Yes, exactly. Slapstick where people somehow magically aren't getting hurt. Magically, ha ha ha. Yeah, this, like, in terms of the story of this, there's not a lot to it. It's mm-hmm. just, like, things get increasingly out of control. Yeah. Like One Man Band, this is kind of a parable about performing, though. Yeah. Because... I mean, there's just a number of things about both the construction of it and about the ideas behind it that are interesting, surprisingly interesting for such a simple story. Like, in terms of construction, they do such a good job of making us sympathize with the rabbit, uh, not just by starting with it, the sound of his rumbling tummy and Mm -hmm. he's in a cage reaching for the carrot, but then the magician comes in licking his fingers. Yeah. That little detail... Is like, well, now he deserves to be punished for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And like, without that, we'd be like, this is like, come on. Mm-hmm. It's a little much. It's so much happening to him. But like, he he has had his supper. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And there's so many little details like that of story construction. Like also when he picks up the hat and it's such economical device to show us how the hat works. That like he blows into it to dust it and the dust comes out of the other hat. Yeah. And that's all you need. Now we know how the hat works. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't like, you know, he doesn't say, as you know, my hat works by creating a portal. You know, I mean, there's no talking, but they don't do it that uh, clumsily. Mm -hmm. It's very well done. Yeah. Economical is the right term for it. Like a very, from the grumbling of the tummy to the hat to the audience being just there, but doesn't ever shown like it's very it's what you need in a short is yeah. to show things without actually showing things there's nothing in this short things without showing them there's not a second in this short that's unnecessary or wasted yeah and i like the way that the escalating mishaps are escalating yeah that's another thing that like everyone is worse than the previous one mm-hmm. very well they don't yeah. ever go sideways and they don't ever go backwards yeah which one thing like looking back on one man band one of the problems with that kind of thing and one man band doesn't quite avoid it is you have to make the performances better every time yeah and there was a point where they were just sideways for a long time mm-hmm it's true. Whereas in this, the violence is more every time. Yeah, it just escalates. 
Yep. But I was going to say, it's as a parable for performing, like, the trick that he wants to do is pull a rabbit out of a hat. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty, like, uh, stale trick, magic yeah. trick. And it's a pretty stale thing to do with an actual magic portal creating hat. And the mm-hmm. things that he ends up doing are much more impressive mm-hmm. than the thing that he planned to do that the rabbit wasn't going to cooperate with. And so as a parable for entertaining the, like, hardships and mishaps and problems that come up actually make your end product better. Hmm. That you challenges that get in the way of your creativity uh, make you do better things than you would have made otherwise. And at the same time, though, there's maybe a sense that, like, and that justifies mistreatment of people on the way. Yeah. Because the end product is better, so who cares that he made the rabbit hungry? You know? And who cares that the rabbit destroyed the... Yeah. Destroyed the man physically. Yeah, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. In terms of the... ...ness of this one... We haven't used that word, that phrase yet! Okay, go. Sorry. Draw attention to it, Paul. (laughs) Um, this is again a very male short. There, uh, the rabbit is named Alex, so the rabbit is male, and the magician is male, and yep. there are only two characters. Uh, a couple of magicians in the pit who are also male. Mm, yes, good point. And that's once again, and white. Yeah, and that's once again to the default, like default human is white man yep so that's an issue yep that pixar has issues with especially in these shorts but also giving i like that they gave the rabbit a name yeah for some reason i don't know like you see it on the on the cage that his name is alec and so there's there's a humanizing of that he's smart alec yeah he's a smart alec (laughs) but it's I mean, we would say maybe that it uh, subjectivizes him. Mm-hmm. So he's a subject rather than an object. And we get that immediately by giving him a name and by him being the first thing that we focus on and the grumbling tummy and all of those. He's the subject and the magician is the object. Yeah. Rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. It's a subversion of power. Yep. In a way that happens all the time in this kind of a movie but it's still a subversion and i like that and subversion of power is where and this is like the rules of uh roadrunner and wily e. coyote cartoons that are like the coyote never uh the roadrunner never harms the coyote the coyote fails because of the failure of his own plans yeah it's like an understanding of where humor comes from that this uh short also kind of understands that you can't have the big guy pick on the little guy Mm-hmm. Right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> or it's not funny. That there's something really interesting in general about how comedy comes from subversion of power. It's not just that it's not funny. It's also like it's not funny because it's unjust. Mm-hmm. And injustice isn't funny. So is Presto good? Is it seriously good? It's definitely good. Yeah. No question. Definitely one of the good ones. Seriously, medium. Yeah, I agree. And it's hard to like, is it, I think it is seriously worse than Lifted, unfortunately, 
or equal to at least. Mm-hmm. And it's like watching them back to back, the maleness of all these shorts. Yeah, says something. So maybe if I was watching it all in isolation, I wouldn't be as struck by it. But watching one and then another and then another, they're overwhelmingly male. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what's next? Our next movie we are talking about is Partly Cloudy. It is uh, 2009, and it came out before Up in theaters. It is uh, written and directed by Peter Son. And what's it about, Paul? Uh, Storks deliver babies of all species. Clouds make the babies. One cloud makes dangerous babies, and his stork is hurt by the dangerous babies and then his stork seems like he's going to abandon the cloud but then returns wearing football gear and everyone's happy again yeah (laughs) so i feel like of all the ones we've done so far in this episode this one i have the most to talk about well why don't you take it away then only because this is a story about uh class and jobs that no one else wants to do Mm -hmm. and so there are uh jobs in this world that where you're doing dirty work you're doing uh dangerous work you're doing all kinds of of uh work that other people don't want to do and there's a stigma around those kind of jobs and i like that this focuses on like the dangerous animals have to be delivered too, mm-hmm. and someone has to do it. And someone could, and uh, the stork seems like he's gonna abandon this job because it's a terrible job. But no, he wants to do everything so he can do it. The interesting, you bring up class issues. This cloud is literally lower than all the other clouds. Yeah, exactly. And is a thunder cloud and is darker than the other clouds. And then like, I mean, it may be, we may be taking things way too seriously. seriously. It seems weird to complain about the racial depiction of clouds, but here I am doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Because the white clouds are higher up and they have the nice jobs And the darker colored clouds are dangerous or in danger. Mm -hmm. And the darker colored stork is in danger doing the jobs no one else wants to do. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. You're so right. I'm like, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So like this stork delivering these dangerous animals uh, without even... uh, OSHA approved protective gear. Yep. It is a, like, is it a commentary on someone has to do those jobs? And even if it's dangerous and you're going to get hurt, like, just do your job, buddy. Mm-hmm. Is that the message of this movie? I'm not sure. Or it's like, once you have your protective equipment, it's okay. Or like, you can find joy in that job somehow. It's like... Yeah, find joy in your crummy job because someone's got to do it and it might as well be you, especially if you're darker than us. Like, it's not great, (laughs) hey? Yeah. Another, what I was thinking uh, is less, is not as heavy as that, uh, was about, this is another short about uh, 
filmmaking or about art being an artist. Hmm. And so all the clouds make things that everyone loves and the one cloud makes things that people don't necessarily love, but it's what he makes. Right, yeah. You know? And maybe that's about, like, you can't change the kinds of things you make to please people. Mm -hmm. You just do your thing. Yeah, I can see that. But I think, but it, like, it doesn't track to the stork. Right? Right. And, like, in comparison with the uh, one-man band, where I really feel like it is a parable about art and audiences, there's no audience. No. Here. It is a parable maybe about creating things, Mm -hmm. but it's not, there's no audience involved in this. Hmm. And they're like, yeah, if he made, if he did a really good job making porcupines, would he get to be a higher up cloud like all the white ones? (laughs) I don't know. Or is he never going to be welcomed by the white clouds? Like, every time I say the white clouds, Jan makes a face. But, like, it's just what they are. I know, I know. It's true. <laughs> um, the other thing is about this is it's, again, another really slapsticky mm-hmm. uh, short. But it's different than the other ones. Yeah. I think... I think this works less well than the previous ones for a few reasons. The biggest one is everything I said about Presto and the uh, magician being like the... We are have empathy with the rabbit and not with the magician. Mm-hmm. And the magician needs to be taken down a peg because he is callous or cruel or stuck up. Yeah. No one in this is callous or cruel or stuck up. And so there's like the... Stork doesn't deserve to be hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. happy to see him hurt. We laugh at the stork getting like butted by the sheep, but also like it's mean. He's a really beat up stork. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons why I don't think this short actually just works as well, because even apart from the humor isn't as funny because we're too sympathetically inclined towards the person getting hurt. It also, that speaks to, like, narratively, whose story is this? Mm -hmm. Is this the story of a cloud and the stork who might not love him? Or is this the story of a stork and the cloud who is endangering him at the workplace? (laughs) Yeah. It's not clear. It is not clear. And it needs to be clear for this story to be, for for the short to work as it should. And it's unlike, we just left... Lifted and Presto is like an era of Pixar shorts being really funny. This is, I think, transitioning and it goes along with Up. So it's transitioning yeah. into not just the shorts, but the movies being more like maudlin. <laughs> yeah, and saccharine. And, I don't know if saccharine actually, but definitely maudlin. Maudlin and, and sentimental. Yeah. And this movie isn't quite maudlin yet, but it's on the way there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't hit it. I think it doesn't It hit either the comedy or the... Uh, sentiment as well as other Pixar shorts will. Yeah. And it looks good. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the premise a lot. Mm-hmm. Of, like, I like the premise. I like the idea. I like, I'm so with you on everything you said about classism and what this movie is saying about jobs. That's so interesting. Right. So I call it medium. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And seriously, oh, I think it's seriously medium. Yeah, maybe seriously I mean, bad. It's not seriously good. No, definitely not. What makes it better than bad? I don't know. I just feel like it's not that bad. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's been a while since we podcasted, but I'm like, I'm thinking it a little too seriously if we, <laughs> if we call it bad. But then that's like our whole thing. Are you saving? There's some shorts coming up that I'm going to call seriously exactly. bad. Are you saving bad exactly. for that one? Exactly. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay. So let's call this medium and seriously medium. Okay. Okay. So what's next? What's next is our last one for this podcast episode, Day and Night, which is from 2010. It's written and directed by Teddy Newton. Uh, it was shown in theaters before the film Toy Story 3. Uh, what's it about, Paul? <laughs> there are two entities, mm-hmm. basically roughly human-shaped, one is day and the other is night and they dance around at first they envy they are mock each other and then they envy each other and then they embrace each other and then they change places yeah that is approximately what happens it's i gotta say first of all that the animation and the concept of this short are really cool yeah it is visually like both impressive and and like enthralling yeah because it's the 3d and the 2d on top of it because like basically i'll say the the what we see on screen is a black screen except within the outline of the people there's a a scene Mm -hmm. and so as the day walks by the the backdrop changes inside day's shape Mm -hmm. and as white walks by the same backdrop changes inside night's shape Mm -hmm. and it's really well done uh really well conceived really good looking yeah very 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 it's unlike any other pixar short Mm -hmm. the like very conceptual uh and and experimental mm-hmm. and for all that like really good at what it is mm-hmm. doesn't have much of a story yeah as much as there is a story you've already said is like they're enemies to envious to friends to switching places so Oh, what we didn't say is that the sounds that they make are all appropriate sounds for the scene being described. Yeah. So, like when Day gets up and yawns, it's like the tr- the wind in the trees is him shaking, and all that kind of thing is also like the sound engineering of this of this short is really very good. It's Although very... I kind of think it starts better than it ends. Hmm. Agreed. Yeah. It's definitely it's very clever, mm-hmm. but it's almost too clever in some parts and i think that they got carried away with the idea of what day sees and what night sees to the point that it degrades the story a bit yeah because day and night don't have i mean neither of them have any motivation or personality Mm -hmm. and that diminishes the like there isn't 
really much of a narrative. Yeah. And the central moment, like the, the climax of the short is a radio tower and they overhear a speech. And it is a speech from Wayne by Wayne Dyer from a lecture given in the 1970s. And it says, fear of the unknown. They are afraid of new ideas, etc., etc." All things, all the most beautiful things in the world are the most mysterious. And it's not too hard to read into that, that what the they intend the crux of this to be, that like day fears night because it's unknown and they hear that and learn to embrace each other. Mm-hmm. But it's a little informed. Yes. We haven't exactly. actually seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you agree with that? I agree with that. We're skirting the issue that we have with this, though. Let's yeah. get into, like, why we don't like this. <laughs> and it's the blatant sexism and misogyny. Yeah. During a main part of this is day reveals of sunbathing woman and Knight gets super excited to see her and tries to get him, get her in his body and he can't. And it, like... The design of Day and Night is kind of reminiscent of, you know, 60s Disney characters. Yeah. And Night's reaction to the woman is like a 60s Disney character. He doesn't quite like wolf whistle, eyes pop out of his head. He does wolf whistle. It literally is a wolf. Howling. Howling. Yeah, he doesn't do the... You're right. It's an actual wolf. He doesn't do the thing in 60s and 50s disney cartoons of like whistling yeah and a heart coming out of his chest but just shy of that and he does like literally pant Mm-hmm. and it's gross it's so gross and then and the day character who not only is like hey check out this woman he moves over to be like check out this whole pool full of women yeah like it's so unnecessary so unnecessary and like it's the kind of thing that i mean we don't maybe don't need to spell out it's objectifying and unnecessary and it like makes those characters explicitly male gaze uh heterosexual male characters yeah and it like it it reveals a worldview of women as entirely objects and that exactly. even conce- the concept of day <laughs> yeah exactly and the concept because, of night have the hots for a woman because it can't it's a worldview behind this that can't even imagine another way to interact with the world yes exactly this is a major problem in that like you could have so easily had two completely genderless characters, yeah. but instead you have them specifically heterosexual men. And not just heterosexual men, but like uh, gross heterosexual yeah, men. Exactly. Right? And it's so, it's to me like much worse than having a male character behave that, like uh, a human male character behave mm-hmm. that way, sorry. Because it just reveals that, like, I can't, I can conceive 
of the concept of day dancing across a black screen, but I can't conceive of a universe where women don't exist to be objects of my desire. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awful. It is, exactly. So we were saying before <laughs> about how seriously bad this one is good, but seriously bad. It is. That's my, like, the animation is so cool. It's such a fun concept. And then seriously bad. Yeah. Yeah. 100% seriously bad. Totally agree. Yeah. Definitely good. And the the story problems aren't enough to overcome how cool the concept is and how good it looks. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's seriously awful, and I hope I never watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) All right. So there there we go we had, we did uh five i think it was five <laughs> we did five i counted them on my fingers <laughs> Ooh, a whole handful later so, when i'm editing i'll discover we did four and i counted wrong <laughs> <laughs> no we definitely did five um this was a lot of fun to get back into a way too seriously podcast we hope you guys enjoyed it if you have any feedback on these shorts uh we of course, since we've last been recording, Disney Plus has become a thing. And so all of the shorts that we've watched in the past and now are on Disney Plus to watch. If you have that, you know, if you don't have that, don't, you don't have to give your money to Disney just because we do. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be easier for us to do Disney shorts in the future, though. It will be. Uh, Pixar shorts. We should maybe say a little something about Way Too Seriously. And it's that the break between episodes has been much longer than i hoped it would be i think than either of us hoped it would be um i hope it won't be another six months until you hear (laughs) from us again i don't think it will be i don't think it will be we've got lots more planned for the future so you can follow us at wts cast you can uh, support us on patreon we have future podcasts that are in the works and you'll you can find out about them and get early access to them at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. Goodbye. That's not how we end this one. How do we end this one? We just we just babble on for a while. But oh, it's now... been too long. I know. Remember when we had a podcast? <laughs>